Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Keep Calm and Cope CoronaCast with myself, Susan Freeman, and my friend, Lindsay Griffiths, and my friend, Marcy Schunk, and usually also with our friend, Katie Barnard. Katie's not with us today, and Lindsay's going to kick it off for us today. Lindsay? Hi. Today, we are talking about anger. Um, which can actually be a good thing. So I think we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive today, ladies. Hope that's okay. Um, we're going to use some resources and we will share those resources at the end of the podcast over in our Facebook group. So if you're not over there, you're going to want to check that out. Susan, do you want to give the name of our Facebook group so people can look that up if they're not already following us there? Yeah, I do. Um, it's It's called Supporting... Highly sensitive people in the time of COVID-19 or in the crisis of COVID-19. Um, we will put the link to that on um, our, our website. So go to freemanmeansbusiness.com under Keep Calm and Cope Coronacast, and we'll have the link to the Facebook group. So you can just click and join. Uh, we'll have to approve membership because there's some um, you know, this is for highly sensitive people, people who really need this extra support and want this extra support. It's not just for memes and such. So I'll put that link up there and you can easily join the group later. Awesome. So one of the resources I found in doing some research for this uh, was goodtherapy.org. And they say that from an evolutionary perspective, all emotions are appropriate and in certain circumstances when experienced at an optimal degree, providing the resources to effectively operate toward a desired goal. For example, certain levels of stress and anxiety push us to perform at a high level. Sadness can be cathartic, filling us with appreciation for what we've lost while signaling to others we need support to recover and heal. Similarly, mild to moderate anger can help us positively move forward, yet of course extreme or chronic anger can be detrimental to our well-being. So, my first question for you ladies is how does anger show up for you? Um, another great resource, verywellmind.com mentions that anger can actually show up as anything from saying things you regret, yelling at your kids, threatening your coworkers, sending rash emails, health problems, or even physical violence. But it can even be something like wasting a lot of time thinking about events that upset you or venting about people you dislike. Does any of that sound familiar to you guys? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I say yes. No, for me, it's definitely a question of patience with my children more than anything else. Um, I will occasionally, I have learned over the years, I will write that email uh, that <laughs> in, in those moments of anger, but I don't send them anymore. I will write them and then go back and rewrite them as needed once I've calmed down. So I've learned that, um, but I can't say it, you know, in my 20s that I was there. But with my kids, without question, my level of patience when I am in a high stress situation is lower. And so that does manifest itself as either yelling or being just harsher and, and less accommodating <laughs> with respect to, uh, to them and their needs and the things that they want to be doing right now. And maybe less sensitive to the fact that you know, we're all in this together and we're all going through it. And so the level of anxiety that you know, I'm feeling, you know, they're feeling too, and being mindful of that. How about you, Susan? Yeah, thank you, Marcy. That, well, first of all, I didn't have email in my 20s, but <laughs> so I guess I was 
spared. <laughs> a lot of people were spared the wrath of Susan. Um, I have a, a double-sided coin on that. So I used to um, get angry and it was not about anger for me. It was a, a, a way, it was that in my younger days, I didn't know how to channel my frustration or articulate my frustration. So anger presented in the way of tears for me. I mean, I was like, you know, how, how can I articulate what I'm feeling? And back then before people were always told to listen with empathy and not judgment and transformational leadership wasn't really a thing and nobody had heard of EQ. Um, you know, people were just spewing out their thoughts and feelings and assuming that is the way it is because it's the way it is for them. It should be that way for everyone else. So for me, um, I went through a very traumatic experience in my life around the time that I'm thinking about this. And I processed anger through studying different philosophies. And it was such mm -hmm. an amazing um, experience for me. I actually, you know, studied Kierkegaard and Sartre and all these um, wonderful philosophers. And I studied Buddhism and I learned how to uh, break down what caused the anger and then process it bit by bit. And although I still get angry, um, I know how to handle it. it. It's a very different woman I am today than before I studied all that and engaged in, in that. So for me now, when I get angry, um, it's almost weird. My, my husband gets a little concerned because I stay calm. He's like, are you not understanding the gravity of the situation? Um, and it's almost like he wants to shake me and say, wake up, wake up. This is something to get angry about. But I just don't. Now, I have found in the, without getting too political on this call, um, I have found that in the current administration, especially with the crisis that we're, I'm going to admit that I have found a new side of anger for me. I mean, I get really mad at the incompetence that I see in how this administration operates and it's resulting in deaths. And like those people meeting for church, even though we are not supposed to congregate, makes me angry. So um, we'll see. You ask me about how I'm processing anger in six months from now, I might be a whole new beast. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that does raise an interesting point. Um, and, and I think, you know, I've seen this in a little bit of the way that you've reacted to some of those situations, Susan, um, you know, and, and this goes to my next point that anger can be constructive in that sometimes it pushes you to take action. So I think you're, yeah. you're talking about anger has, has really encouraged you to take action throughout this pandemic. Um, sure. where, where, you know, maybe you've just processed it internally a little bit more. So how in, in this particular situation has anger encouraged you to take action? Well, I know this, um, I, have a tendency to say, well, let's control what we can and what the, re the rest just falls away. You have to let it roll off your back. Um, but I've had to say that way too much. And I am Italian and Jewish. We're a spicy, fiery combination here. Um, so like, for example, I, I feel like I can process anger when something's directed toward me. I can do that pretty well. But if somebody messes with either of you or Katie or any of my friends, you might see another side to how I process anger or manage anger or not manage anger. Um, I will totally come down on you like the surprise you never wanted to get. 
So um, <laughs> that sounds so Sicilian, but no, <laughs> those are my people. No, uh, seriously, um, you won't even know it's coming. When you, if you hurt my loved ones, forget it. All bets are off. We're going to find out what made you ignorant enough to do that. And then we're not going to, you know, even give you the opportunity to, 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 to justify your ignorant behavior. So, um, yeah, there is a dark side to all of us, right? Isn't this very Jungian? Psychotherapy, uh, psychotherapists would say this is our shadow side. That's exactly what the shadow side is. And how do we manage it? That's what you're asking me. Um, for me, um, the negative ways I manage it, manage it might be alcohol or food. Um, I am not into sweet as much as I am into savory. Uh, I am into wine way more than anything else uh, in the alcohol family. And I find that unconsciously I might eat more or drink more. So that could answer the question that you're asking, I believe. So I think you're, you raise the issue of anger providing this sense of control. And I know like when I think of my own anger reactions and I see other people's anger, I, I do see this idea that is generally based in fear due to a lack yeah. of control. And sometimes not even directly over the thing you might be directing your anger at. So Marcy, I'll, I'll direct this question at you. How has your anger played out in this way? Or, or have you seen other people's anger and at this particular situation played out this way? So that's an interesting question. And I, as I was listening to Susan, I was going through my own life and thinking through all of the same transformations in terms of being an angrier person when I was younger and being more self-righteous even than, than I am today. And I also think that there's, I, ha, I think I'm dis, I have a discomfort with anger in some ways, in part because of my history in, in being around angry people in a way that was not healthy for me. And so from that, I think I have tended to understand or see the underlying causes for anger when I see people that are angry, as opposed to responding directly to the anger. Mm -hmm. So when people get angry at me, for example, I will typically take a step back and say, hey, you know, what did I do that could have contributed to this? And B, what is that person going through that could be creating that anger? Right. And that's beautiful. I would say it, well, it is, it, you know, nobody's perfect and it doesn't happen all the time. And, and I too am half Sicilian. And so there is that gut reaction occasionally. <laughs> and I would say, you know, my personal romantic relationships are probably the worst place where I am least able to take that step back. Um, but with people that are friends of mine, with my family, uh, with my kids, I'm much, much more capable of kind of saying, okay, the little one's freaking out what's going on in his world right now that's making him crazy. Right. So I love that. Yes. It, it's, but it's, it's, you know, it, it takes time and it, it took unfortunately going through a lot of negative to get to the, that place. Marcy, could I uh, respond to that with something you reminded me of that I think, you know, so as your parenting style, I, I know you and I know how you parent. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I've heard the things that you've said. And I know that when raising my son, who's now 18, a totally different, you know, phase in life than your kids are. 
I recall having said to him, instead of things like, that was so stupid, or why did you do that, or getting angry, I would say, well, what brought you to, to, to believe that's okay, or what led you to that place, or why did you make that decision? So, um, yes, if we could be as ginger about things when uncovering the reasons for anger as we are, or for bad behavior, or something that made us mad, as we are with our children, the world would be a better place. I love that you do that. Yeah. Oh, I don't do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you, I love it. <laughs> okay. I love when you do that. <laughs> um, and I, I think, you know, interestingly for all of us right now, we're in a, in a very unique time and situation. So I'm wondering, are, you know, all of us in a, in a perfect world are doing the things that we need to do to keep anger under control. You know, I think both of you have spoken very honestly about having been through situations where you've seen anger have a really destructive effect. Um, and we'll, we'll get to a little bit about how, you know, we can manage anger and, and, um, you know, what, where it's, where it can be very negative, but also where it can be constructive. But um, are you finding that because of being in, you know, a more enclosed situation, um, you know, emotions are much more heightened at the moment. Are you finding it harder to manage anger at the moment? I know we had, you know, a, a listener write in and say that she is really struggling with anger and, and that's, you know, the way that her, her sort of grief journey is at the moment. That's, that's a struggle for her. Is that something that either of you are finding hard to, harder to manage at the moment? Or is that not one of the emotions that you're struggling with today? I am, oddly enough, finding, this sounds crazy in some ways, but I am, oddly enough, finding the situation slightly more manageable than my life before. And what I mean by that is, I'm not traveling. Uh, I have, I'm eating well. I'm finding time every day to get in some exercise. And so my routine is much more consistent right now than it is in my daily life normally. And that is creating a level of normalcy that allows me to maintain my calm more so than when I'm back in the frenzy of everything. And so I, I find that interesting and I don't know how much of that is just, you know, the stress level of having to shift things around when, when you're traveling or moving or when you have a heavy workload, or if it is in part just the, I don't know, the space that we get from other people that we don't necessarily get sometimes in our daily lives, particularly I'm, I'm an introvert. And so for me, having that space to myself, even though, you know, I do have my kids here 24 seven, I am not being forced into situations such as conferences and events and client engagements where I am constantly around other people, which saps my energy and probably makes it harder for me to maintain a, you know, a calmer approach towards everything. So I think it's interesting in that way that, you know, we're in the midst of what is this upheaval and uncertainty. And for some reason, I find it calming. That is interesting. Well, I am. Well, let me think. I'm thinking how to say this. Hmm. (laughs) What I find interesting about the paradigm shift that I'm experiencing is that my husband and son are both home. So I worked from home for the last two years and suffered all the things that many of the people struggling who are working from home now under this order 
um, I suffered that early on and got done with it and found solutions to it. And, you know, um, it was very difficult for me because I'm an ENFJ, I'm an extrovert and we thrive on relationships with people. And part of what I do is face to face and, and, you know, the nonverbal communication that you experience through body language and facial expressions. I'm a hugger. I'm very tactile. I, you know, I understand the dopamine sets off in both our heads when we shake hands and we're memorable that way. So for me, when I first started working from home, it was so difficult. And I experienced what a lot of people are now experiencing. So I'm not struggling as much. And in fact, a little bit like Marcy, I'm enjoying having my uh, family here. We have a routine. In fact, this is hilarious. Um, my son, who is 18, usually at college, was going to move into his fraternity house um, this semester, said to me last night when I said, James, we never see you. You don't spend any time with us. He's like, Mom, I'm in class. Like I'm on. And, and my husband said, but, but son, we're your parents. You know, Come spend some time with us. Eat dinner with us. He goes, no, you're not. You're the people who live downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that's how he has uh, coped. Um, it's very difficult for him because he's an only um, child and he loved the social norms that he had developed at Berkeley and having friends with him and being around his friends. And he'll have to celebrate his 19th birthday here with us versus, you know, going out and doing whatever 19 year old college boys do on their 19th birthdays. Uh, I don't even want to think about it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of adjustment for him. Now, my husband, on the other hand, is in a position where he can still go into his office. He's the only one there. He's made certain everyone else stays home. So he sort of has a little, um, a cheat and out, you know, and so I like having him work from home. He has his own, you know, he uses the dining room table um, for his work. And I'll say, do you really have to go to the office? I think he likes getting up and sticking to his routine. And he has the, you know, the gift of being able to do that where we do not, if we're in an office, we're, you know, we're, we're not able to make that decision to go in. So it's playing out in three different ways in my house. I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable with it. My son hates it. He's going nuts. My husband, he's like, well, whatever, you know, I can go into the office if I want. So it's interesting to watch how all three of us, you know, I'm, I'm shooting for dinner as a family and they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. You really do have sort of an interesting microcosm there. Yeah. It's crazy. I wish I had my gal, my gal pals here with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your extrovert side. Yeah. I do and have an extrovert side, Lindsay, that that relates with you and Marcy quite well. Um, I do like writing in a journal. I draw a lot. I do like to spend time alone too, because um, I'm I, I don't like all the noise. You know, I, I like relationships, but I don't like all the 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 noise. If you know what I mean by noise, I think and I think you do. Um, I do, and actually, yeah. that I was gonna that was gonna be my response to Marcy. So I'm having a slightly different reaction to this because although I am traveling tremendously less, obviously not at all. Um, and I have established a much more, um, calming routine and I'm, I'm doing all of the same type of thing, um, that Marcy's doing. I'm finding that people need me a lot more and I'm having a lot more of my extrovert friends reaching out because they need a lot more contact. 
and that sort of has created a lot of noise for me, both um, actual noise in that, you know, I'm having a lot more Zoom calls, having a lot more phone calls, which I'm not used to, um, but also there's just a lot of um, a lot of phone reach out. So things are buzzing a lot. And, you know, I do turn my phone on silent. So it's just vibration. Um, but for me, that it, it feels like a lot of contact, which I don't get a lot. So um, that can tend to hype up my anxiety level. And for me, anxiety comes out as anger, which I didn't realize. <laughs> That's <laughs> totally new information for me. Um, so I'm learning a lot about myself through this process of the pandemic and being quarantined. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's been a lot of, you know, very short temper. Um, and I'm, I'm working on managing that myself. And, and that's sort of the next thing I want to talk about. And since I think both of you are, are pretty relaxed, um, I'm hoping you do have some good uh, suggestions for um, how to cope. But since that is the theme of our podcast, we are hoping to help people cope with the various emotions that they're experiencing at the moment and helping ourselves cope at the same time. Um, I'm curious about how, what some of the tools are that you ladies would suggest for anger management. And obviously, you know, this, these tools might extend past just anger management and stress management in general. What are some of the things you would suggest to people for what they might do if they're feeling angry at the moment? And, and how they could manage that? Well, I would say nature for me is hugely calming. So go outside, you know, stay, stay home, stay safe, stay clean, stay six feet away. Doesn't mean you can't go outside, take in the fresh air, watch the sunset. For me, I find it very calming, almost meditative to spend time in nature, just listening quietly, looking at the sky, figuring out the clouds, not uh no agenda so deep breathing exercises um before i respond to someone i always say that's curious and then like marcy try to figure out uh, from where is this person coming what is the hidden issue not just the surface issue and then i ask them so that's really three tips that i can give right there i love those those are great marcy what would you i think that's great i the nature one is huge for me as well and there is a lot of research, excuse me, brain research with that kind of the right left motion. Uh, it's people do it through some tapping, emotional freedom tapping is one of the methods out there that you can use to kind of relieve whatever emotion you're feeling. So if you want to look that up, it's phenomenal. I can actually add it to the resources as well, but even just walking or running or kind of that back and forth motion is a calming activity for the body. It just calms the nervous system, which I find fascinating, but it works. Um, like Tai Chi. Yes. Right. And, and yoga and all of that works on that bilateral concept, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I think breathing for me is huge. I know if I'm for us, back talk is one of the things that puts me through the roof and, and I know that I need to step away and take some really deep breaths and I'll do it in front of my kids. So they know that I'm like at that point, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, she's doing some deep breaths. Like she, she's going to blow. <laughs> so, um, so I think that has been useful for me. I think getting, so when I was in my probably early thirties, I had uh, a boss at the time who for my annual review, my mantra for the year was to be uh, 
respond, don't react. And so I spent that time that year because I was a very, I would react to situations in a way that wasn't necessarily constructive for the people uh, that were working for me. And so going through that disciplined approach of saying, okay, I'm not going to immediately react to this situation. I'm going to slow it down, give it some space, and then respond to the issue was really helpful for me. And I still use that to this day in situations where I have to remind myself that, oh, that was a reaction, right? That immediate text back or email back, that was a reaction that wasn't a response tone it back, scale it back, take some space and then approach it again. Yeah. That's awesome. I have that same problem myself. So that's, I, that's something I work on too. Yes. Ladies, do you mind if I, um, I probably shouldn't, I hope it doesn't offend you that I say ladies, I've learned that that's another term that people don't want to um, be called. So I'm trying to be respectful, but no friends, how about that? Friends, um, I would like to give a shout out on this show to a doctor friend of mine, a PhD friend of mine who does the tapping. She leads people in tapping. I had never heard of it until she brought it to my attention. And Marcy, since she brought it up, I thought we should give her a shout out. Her name is Nancy Tilton Hand. How funny that her last name is Hand and she leads <laughs> in tapping. Um, but but that's what you you use your hands to do the tapping. So if you want more information, look for that in the resources in our Facebook group, uh, Facebook group and on our website where you see the podcast. We'll start listing uh, resources in writing as well. But Nancy yep. T. Hand, she does the tapping. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been reading about that too. And as Marcy said, you know, exercise is supportive of that too in walking or running is great for it because it's something about like the left, right brain and body um, that supports that, but the tapping as well. Um, and I know I just read something that a therapist friend of mine posted the other day, changing your environment can help. So if you're sitting in somewhere, like maybe you're sitting in your office, your home office, or you're sitting at your computer somewhere and you're getting really frustrated and angry, get up and go make yourself something in the kitchen or go in the bathroom or walk outside. Um, something about changing your physical environment actually changes your mindset. And I found that super true for me. Um, you both mentioned nature as being very important. I've been trying to take a walk every day. And even if I just do it on the treadmill, doesn't seem sufficient enough. I have to do it outside. Something about that makes a huge difference in the way that I feel about the entire day. So that's, uh, that's been a huge help for me. Yeah, I agree. I love being in nature. Even listening to the sounds is very calming. Um, yep. I live in an area that's not big city like where you live uh well you don't you don't live in big city either but when we think of new jersey and new york we always think of big city sounds um and people think of me in san francisco as big city sounds but i'm actually about 12 miles from downtown proper and so you know i don't hear all the constant hustle and bustle which i'm so glad for because i like to hear the birds and i like to hear the leaves when the wind blows and I think, you know, there are going to be people listening to this who are in big cities. I have a very good friend who's right in Brooklyn and she's right down the street from a hospital. It's making it very hard for her to want to go outside and take a walk. It's extremely stressful. I understand that there are people that are going to be in that situation. If you can just open a window and put your head outside, 
do that. Um, you know, I, I think we're all in, in varying stages of what we're capable of doing. Some people are going to be in a position where they're only allowed to go outside once a day. That may be what the local order is, or they're not allowed to go outside at all. Um, so if you can just open a window, get some fresh air in your apartment or in your home, whatever you can do to bring nature inside is a positive thing. Um, I planted a little garden. I'm starting some seedlings and even that just makes a difference in brightening up the house and uh and bringing a little nature inside so um that changes your environment too so you can order a lot of that stuff online you don't have to go out and get it um even though a lot of the garden centers are still considered essential businesses um for one reason or another um so all of that is is a positive thing you can do to just break up your routine a little bit and uh, give you a little positive help Mm -hmm. I love and that. It never, I was, I was going to say, and it never would have occurred to me, but I was having this conversation. Somebody online had posted that they had started, that they planted something. And I thought, oh, that's wonderful. I don't have any seeds. And they're like, oh, I just used, you know, the seeds from a pepper. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect yeah. sense. <laughs> it, you know, those, those common sense things have never come easily to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Use the food that you're, that you're cooking with and, uh, and do that. We have done that. We have a full garden. Um, never have we used seeds. We have purchased, you know, the small tree that's, you know, partly, you know, sprouting and then planted, but most of the vegetables or most of the things, I'm not the gardener. My husband's the gardener. I'm like, put some pretty flowers. He's like, we can't eat those. And I'm like, but they're pretty. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, we, you, 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 you can eat some flowers. So buy those. So, um, yeah, it's true. It's interesting. But for those people who are trapped inside, we will probably on every podcast promote the Calm app or the Headspace app or the Well, um, I think it's called Mood or Wellbeing. I mean, there's several apps out there, but I know Lindsay and I love the Calm app. And there are sounds of nature in there you can listen to. Just close your eyes and go there. If you're fortunate enough to have the VR, um, the virtual reality goggles and capabilities, go someplace beachy or go someplace mountainous or with water streaming. Um, but you can easily listen to those sounds of nature on um, your app on your phone. Yeah, I the Calm app has saved my life the last three weeks. I cannot say enough about it. I have been trying to do two meditations a day and you know they talk about finding your home base and for me it really is those nature sounds even though i live at the beach we don't have too many nature sounds at the moment because it's still not quite spring here yet um and i've been also listening to they have bedtime stories which if you're anything like me your anxiety really ramps up at bedtime and it can be hard to sleep when you've got a lot of racing thoughts about you know what might happen to the people in your life or your job or the economic situation or what's coming next so those bedtime stories have been extremely comforting it's just a very peaceful voice to listen to as you're trying to fall asleep so you don't have to listen to what's going on in your own head and it puts me right to sleep it's been really great i you know it is an investment which can be tough at these difficult economic times but i highly recommend it uh, and i know they've been offering it at a discount and there's some different tiers that are in that app. So um, if you can make it work, I, I really do recommend it. And I would say Coldplay, anything by Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody has that. It's funny when you're just talking about the bedtime stories. I just started reading a book with my boys 
And I didn't, I like fantasies and things, but I wanted something that was a little uh, calmer, I guess, in some ways, because one of the, the little one in particular has trouble sleeping at night. And I found a book that I had just recently picked up from my mom's house called My Side of the Mountain, which I had never heard of. And it is, I think it was from the late 50s, maybe, was when it was originally published. And it's about a little boy that runs away from home and lives in the wilderness. And I have to say, what is so phenomenal about it is there is no city. There is no other people. It is this boy surviving on his own in the wilderness. So they're talking about fishing and starting fires and things that are just so intrinsic to human nature. And I love that it, the setting of it and the way that it just brings you outside of your own reality in some respects. And I think, and the boys have been enjoying it, but it certainly is definitely, and you know, you can tell that it's a book that was written some time ago in part because it has such a, a level of purity to it. That sounds Marcy, wonderful. Add that to the resources for folks. Cause a lot of people are struggling like the person who wrote in uh, being home with their kids. And, and we have a whole new respect for teachers, don't we? I was thinking about teachers who are home with their own children yet still have to do online teaching in some way, shape or form with, their students. Um, uh, you know, that book has a follow-up book called, um, oh God, The Far Side or On the Far Side of the Mountain. So just know that in case we're in uh, quarantine for that long that you finish this book and you want to engage in the follow-on book. It's called On the Far Side of the Mountain. Excellent. Thank you. And I think what would be great too is if people listening to the podcast are reading or listening to something that is really speaking to them at the moment, if you can let us know, Susan's got a great form on her website at Freeman Means Business. If you can send us your recommendations, we would be happy to share those in our resources too. That's a great point. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, yeah, just go to the website, um, Keep Calm and Cope Coronacast. And you can fill out any questions or comments you want to share, and we'll speak to them on the next week's show. Yeah. So we've talked about seeking help before on the podcast, uh, and I think it's a really important point that we should keep bringing up because when we're all either you know in our individual family units during the pandemic, or some of us are on our own like me, I think it can be hard to either identify when it's the right time to seek help or feeling like it's okay to seek help because, you know, we don't want to necessarily go out to the doctor or, you know, bother anybody because we don't feel like, you know, we have COVID-19. So how do you know that it's time to seek help and how do you do that in today's pandemic? What, are, what do you ladies suggest for um, how people would identify that it's the right time to, to seek help? Mm-hmm. My husband can, tells me. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. when, when you're, <laughs> I went through a phase and this was actually pre-COVID-19. I was getting my house ready to put it on the market and in the midst of a bunch of all different things going on in my life. And I became manic for a while and I was just getting so much done and, and I knew that there was going to come a point where I was going to crash. Right. It, it, I, I know that. And I, I had said I was with my parents and I know I was speaking a mile a minute and talking to them and, and I was describing what was going on. And my mother said something to me about like, you know, you know, you're manic. And I said, Oh, but I'm getting so much done. 
And so, which she knew was not going to be a good sign. So I, I knew that the crash was coming. And when it hit, I immediately knew I needed to call my therapist and just, I'm like, I have to get on the phone and just talk for a minute and get this out and just work myself through this. And, and it was surprisingly for, for how crazy I was for the amount of time that I was coming to that place and being able to work through it relatively quickly. And I, I think I only had two days where I just kind of didn't feel right and wasn't able to kind of pull it together. I was very fortunate. Um, but having that outlet was critical to me, the ability to be able to call my therapist, get an appointment within you know, 48 hours and just get that out. And I still have the contact information for the therapist in Boston that I used to see when I lived there, which was seven years ago. And if I reach out to her, she will still make time for me, which is fantastic. And we just, you know, we work it that way and it makes a difference to keep those contacts. And I will tell you, I have not had a therapist in my life that even if it's been, you know, like seven years since we've spoken, won't take those calls. Um, yeah. So I think that rem remembering that and not feeling like, oh, well, I haven't seen that person in two years. I can't possibly reach out, get, get over that and give it a go and see what happens. Yeah. You know, for those people who still, um, in my opinion, wrongly hold a stigma over those who seek therapy, um, you need to open your minds and your eyes and your hearts and your heads, especially in this age of this COVID-19 crisis. So in this time of crisis. Uh, so in, if you're any of those people who have that, let it go, let it go. And, and don't judge people who do reach out for help and seek therapy. There's nothing funny about it. There's, there's nothing, don't attach anything to it. You know, it is what it is. And if it helps someone, uh, I say, go for it. I mean, people go to the doctor when they break a leg. Why not, you know, when their mind is broken, even only temporarily. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there because there's so much stigma you know, it's okay to get angry, but then you go to get help and people judge you. So let's stop that. Well, and I think too, there might be people listening who, who have never been to a therapist. So, and, and whether it's for anger or for other things, you know, there's a couple of key questions you might want to ask yourself. So if you're not sure is now the right time to seek help, if you're thinking you might need help, you might as well ask. It's totally okay. If you're feeling like I might need a little extra support, if you're right. already thinking that, it's okay to ask for the extra support. No one's ever going to turn you away. It's a good thing to ask for it. So if you're feeling a little bit out of control, whether that's over anger or it's sadness or depression or anxiety, ask for the help. Um, so if your anger or another emotion is having an impact on your relationship or other parts of your life, like your work or your your relationships with your kids, your coworkers, your friends, then it's time to seek some help. Um, and many insurance companies are currently covering telehealth appointments. So you, I got an alert that my insurance company is, which is awesome. And so you might've gotten an alert too, that that's the case, if not worth calling them and finding out. And so usually a great place to start is either, I know Psychology Today is an awesome resource for finding a therapist. If you want to just visit them, we're going to put that in the resources for, um, you can do a search right on their website to find a therapist in your area. But you can also call your primary care physician for a recommendation. That's how I found my therapist and she's awesome. Um, and so that you know too, a lot of people don't know this. They think that if they need to go on medication, 
Again, medication is not for everybody, but it is for some people. So if that's you, it's just like taking blood pressure medication. My doctor said to me that you deserve to be treated. And that's the truth. If you had high blood pressure, you would take medication for it. And sometimes you can treat it with diet and exercise, which is true for mental health issues. Sometimes you can treat it with diet and exercise. And sometimes you need medication to right the, the chemicals in your body. It's true for mental health too. So if you are somebody who needs medication, um, you sometimes will need to go to a psychiatrist for that, but it's also something you can go to your primary care physician about. So if you're in the position right now where you're, you're really suffering, your primary care physician can be a great first resource for you. Give them a call and talk to them about it. Um, again, many of them are doing telehealth appointments, so you don't even have to go in for a visit. Just give a call to your their receptionist, ask to have an appointment with your doctor over the phone and talk through them with that. Um, another good resource is talk to a trusted friend or family member who you know locally has a good therapist and they can often make a recommendation for you too. Um, so, and really, you don't have to wait to call. A lot of therapists are doing Zoom and phone call appointments through the crisis too, and they're happy to talk to you and you don't have to suffer. That's all great information, Lindsay. Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> well, folks, next week we will focus on, um, Marcy is going to lead the call and we'll focus on bargaining. If we stay in five days this week, surely we can go out uh, and get takeout, right? So we'll talk about those questions we're all asking ourselves. What does stay at home really mean? And, you know, um, you know, they're delivering. So why can't I just go sit in the restaurant? If no one else is there, why can't I be there? I'm six feet away from everyone. So Marcy will talk about bargaining that phase and stage in the journey of grief um, next week. Marcy, do you want to say anything about that? Hmm. <laughs> You'll have to uh, say next week, I know, but um, I right. just, yes, yeah, so I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but folks, we'll just tune in next week. Each week, we'll have a different person uh, of the four of us hosting, uh, asking the questions. Lindsay, you did an amazing job leading the call today. So many great resources and comments, and we'll share all those uh, to the public. We record these folks so that you can play them, play them again, play them later, whatever. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And Lindsay, would you like to wrap up the call today? Absolutely. So thanks everybody for listening. As uh, Susan said, we're going to share all these resources with you, but feel free to reach out to any of us if you have any questions about this and want to talk privately about anger or anything else. And if you have any questions for upcoming podcasts, let us know. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you.